U.S. men's national team kicks off 2014 World Cup qualifying tomorrow in Honduras. Ivis Galarcep is down in Honduras. This is the SBI podcast. I am Garrett Cleverly. Ivis, how are you doing today? Doing all right. We're out, we're out here. It's like 90 degrees in San Pedro Sula, and we're actually almost 24 hours away from kickoff here. And how was the flight down there? I mean, you had such a unique experience to be able to fly down with the team on that charter flight. Right. It was definitely a different experience. You know, the, the team flies flies on their own charter, and uh, a couple of journalists had a chance to go down. And it was pretty easy flight, smooth flight, only uh, two hours and change. And uh, it, was, it was a pretty relaxed bunch there as far as the players. Uh, you know, they, they're pretty focused. They all had their, their Dre Beats headphones on and, uh, you know, taking it easy on the way down. And it's a pretty focused group, and uh, you kind of like their chances down here. What's the difference between doing a charter flight? I mean, obviously, a charter flight, you know, when you look at it on the outside looking in, I mean, obviously, it's going to make sense because you're in a more controlled environment. You're not on a passenger plane. I mean, is this something that the U.S. team, what changed between having a charter flight now and having a, taking a regular commercial flight? Well, they, they normally, for as far as I understand it, for road qualifiers, it's something they do just to just to make it easier for them logistically, and you know they don't have to go through all the all the you know the the hoops of uh, trying to travel commercial. Uh, you know they 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 still have to go through their own kind of security ch- you know checks and and near the right by the plane actually. Uh, it's it's a pretty it's it's obviously a much smoother process than uh, than you go through on a commercial flight. Well, Ivis, you know you're down in Honduras right now with the team. Uh, you know, you've been talking to the team and staying up to date. Uh, you know, is there anything that that's happened recently with with the team that that is pressing that that fans should know about right now? Well, I, I think one of the things that fans are kind of curious about is is Tim is the status of Tim Chandler, and uh, Tim Chandler is here in Honduras. You know, he still is not cap tied, and and you know, some people are wondering is he finally going to commit? Is he finally going to step on the field in an official match and and tie himself to the USA? And uh, he's made the trip here. He's here, and he, and, you know, as far as I, as far as I can tell, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't start against Honduras. Well, that's what we're going to do for today's show. Uh, we're going to have a, a clip from Jurgen here in a couple minutes. Uh, Ivis and a couple other the media guys had a chance to talk to Jurgen. We're going to play a little bit of clip from Jurgen, and then when we come out of that clip. We're going to break down the roster. Ivis is going to give his predictions over who's starting for the team. So fans, you guys are more than welcome at the end of the show or during the show to comment on his website and let Ivis know if his picks are smart or stupid. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say they're my picks as if I was the coach. I think the, the picks that I'll make will be the ones that I, that I think me and, and most people think Jurgen will make. Well, we'll break those down position by position, tactics by tactics. We'll see what everyone, we'll see what Ivis has to say, and then we'll see what I have to say. I think, Ivis, you and I will maybe differ on, on who, who on who'd we start um, at certain positions. But for right now, though, Ivis, you had a, a chance to talk to Jurgen, uh, you, know, you know, the other day. You know, we'll, 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 you know, just give us the gist real quickly before we go into this audio clip. You know, what was the overall, you know, what theme of, of what you guys had a chance to talk to him about? Well, uh, we've had a few chances to talk to him. We talked to him in Miami uh, during training, and we also just finished up a press conference with him. And, and you know, he's faced a variety of questions about just how tough it is to come down and, and, and win on the road here in, in Central America. And also just, you know, trying to figure out his team. And, you know, he's not going to reveal too much. Uh, I thought it was interesting that, that the you, the Honduras starting lineup came out less than a day after the U.S. roster came out. So uh, it just shows you the difference in, in approaches there. Um, but but Jurgen, you know, he sounded confident, and he, and he pretty much said it over and over. It's down to – it's not what Honduras does. It's what the U.S. does that's going to decide this game, and he, he seems pretty confident that his team can get it done. 
Well, that's good uh, that Jurgen has that confidence. I mean, you and I have talked before, and I mean, everyone's mentioned this, how important it is to just start off this game with, uh, I mean, a draw is a victory, you know, just by picking up that one point right there. And here's the clip of Jurgen talking to the media the other day. One of the team's strengths, but, you know, how good is it to have another option for Marisa to do now, now that he's been playing in Turkey, getting games in and getting 90 minutes? Yeah, I know it's important, and that's why we encouraged him to do, do that move, even if it's just a short-term you know, alone. Uh, but it is important that he gets games in, that he's in a rhythm, that he's getting sharper, and 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 that gives us also gives him more confidence in everything. And so we are, we are pleased that he did that move. Uh, it's a difficult environment. I mean, if you ever been to Turkey and 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 I played games there, you know, in in European leagues and stuff like that, it is a very hot temper environment. So it's it's not easy. But we are pleased that you know he's. He's coming back now, knowing I'm playing. You know, I'm I'm ready again, and uh, it gives you us coaches another option, important option. He's always been an important player to us, and it's 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 good to see that. The game is Wednesday at four o'clock local time here in Miami. Would you encourage people to maybe get off work early, leave school a little early to make sure they can watch it? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But I'm not pulling my kids out. <laughs> I mean, it is uh, uh, in those countries. Obviously, you know, it's 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 very special, and it shows you the importance of World Cup qualifiers. What they're doing, you know, they're calling it a, almost a, a, ho- a national holiday, and and uh, because they're football crazy, uh, and this, this this is great. You know, that's the atmosphere that you want to play in. That's where you want to measure yourself in, and that's what you want to remember. You know, about you know World Cup qualifying in an intense environment that you go into. Um, obviously, they're not giving it a national holiday in the U.S. yet. You know, we have to do a lot more work, you know, to get to that level one day. But uh, we started that working process. <laughs> Jurgen, last week we saw an ugly incident involving Josie uh, over in Holland. Um, how big of a problem do you think racism is among fans in the stands and in world soccer? And is FIFA doing enough to combat that? Oh well, that's a question, obviously, to FIFA. We are very pleased with how Josie kind of reacted very professional uh, very mature and uh, gave him a big compliment for that um, but that topic you know is is not a new topic so it is definitely the right question for FIFA how they handle it and you're scouting yeah. Honduras uh, yeah. what, what have you seen from them what, what, what concerns you the most about them how, how, what do you have to stop in that attack well it's a technically very gifted team you know also physical sure. uh, um, um, very tough to play um and and uh, uh, they, they they grew over the last couple of years. So they have a bit more confidence. You know, going to a World Cup gives you confidence, having that learning experience, um, and, and so they've done well. You know, we played them last was it October? Was it October 2011? Um, and they gave us a good game, even if we thought we should have won that game uh, with uh, with with Clint's header. Actually, was it clear to nil and stuff like that? But no, it's. Uh, uh, it's a, definitely a team to respect, you know, and uh, we watch their games, you know, we scouted their games, we are well prepared, <laughs> uh, hopefully pass on the right information to every individual player out there on the field, but then it's down to us, it's down to how we approach it and how we want to play, and uh, uh, and we need to get the job done. Could you talk a little, bit about, could you talk a little bit about your uh, centre-back uh, situation? I know obviously you have two guys who experienced World Cup qualifying, and Jeff Cameron Carlos Bocanegra, but you have two guys knocking on the door in Beasler and uh, Gonzalez, who still fairly new to the international game, still adjusting. Could you just talk about you know what you have in, in those four guys? Um, we are very pleased that we have people breaking through, you know, and and they want, they want to prove a point. You know, Omar is ready, Matt Beasler ready. You know, they had a tremendous three and a half weeks camp 
really very strong impression they left behind. That's why they called in. Same with you know Brad Davis and Brad Evans. You know, was not all down to a Canada friendly game. It's down to three and a half weeks of of, of commitment and of uh, performances in training. Ivis, talk about that confidence. I mean, you gotta love it right now with Jurgen and, and his confidence. I mean, you have to assume that the players are feeding off of that. Right. I mean, I think it, it, one thing he he does is he keeps things laid back. I mean, obviously everyone's focused and and, and they, he he stresses you know coming in with the right mentality. But at the same time, you know, the, the, there's a bit of a kind of a not, I don't want to say laid back, but there's a confident kind of relaxed nature about the team and I think that comes from Jurgen and his approach to things so you know I, I'm very interested to see how that how the team responds when when they step on, on the field in San Pedro in what's going to be a sold out crowd and then on in the middle of the day it's going to be hot and it's going to it's going to be there's going to be some tough conditions yeah especially since these games matter I mean we were all ecstatic when you know Italy def- I mean excuse me when USA defeated Italy USA defeated Mexico but I mean those games yeah they, they matter for confidence and for morale but you know, these games matter the most. You know, one real quickly thing, I mean, I want to look at Honduras real quickly and look at their roster right there, Ivis. You know, one of the things that, that I find so interesting about the development of Major League Soccer over the last 16 years is that, one, it's provided a level for, for obviously, American soccer players to, to receive exposure and to continue building their game because, I mean, now we're seeing guys coming from MLS who, who are playing for the U.S. men's national team. I mean, Donovan, Zuzi, list goes on. But the thing that's interesting, though, is that the MLS has effectively helped out the rest of the teams in the CONCACAF, most notably Honduras, who might have six guys starting in their roster who have played for MLS at one point or are currently playing in MLS. Ivis, it's interesting to see that, how MLS has helped out CONCACAF. Right. I mean, I think that that's something that people saw coming down the road. Um, I, I can remember having conversations with Bruce Arena 10 years ago when he was the U.S. coach, and, and he talked about concerns with that. At the time, he was the U.S. coach, so he had a different view of things. Uh, he, he had he had some serious concerns about, about MLS becoming kind of a pipeline and a factory for CONCACAF players, and I think you're seeing that on a, uh, on, a, on a level now, especially when you look at a team like Honduras or a team like Jamaica you know, they, they, or Costa Rica. Or even Canada, you know, they, they, those all those teams are, are benefiting. And when you look at that Hon, projected Honduras star, starting lineup, when you have Oscar Boniet Garcia, Mario Martinez, Jerry Bankston, Victor Bernardez, all those guys are in MLS. Roger Espinoza, who, who pretty much developed his, his game in MLS. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that it's clear as day that um, you know MLS has made had a major impact on on the Honduran national team. And do you think, like, in the long run, I mean, because of the MLS success that it's had, and, and you have to assume that the MLS is it's yet to peak, obviously, and you have to assume that it's going to continue to climb up that mountain, that ladder. I mean, do you see the CONCACAF almost becoming this, this, this powerhouse division maybe in the next 10, 20 years because of MLS and the exposure it's given people? And nothing to wait to take away from the Mexican League. I mean, I don't want to take away anything from that. But the MLS has given so many more opportunities for guys in these Caribbean countries, in the Central American countries. It almost seems that you have to assume that CONCACAF is going to be this powerful, powerful division eventually, correct? Well, it's going to take a while. I still think, um, you know, the league has to grow. It has to develop with time, and I still say it's going to take some time to catch up with the Mexico, let alone you know the big European leagues. But I think progress is, is clearly being made when you look at at the transfer market and, and how many players made the move from MLS this mm-hmm. uh, this win this winter. Yeah, the players like Roger Espinosa, Kai Kamara, Brex Shea, obviously big transfer. Uh, you know the, all, the, all the players, the Andy Nahar and Anderlecht. Uh, but that that just shows the, the that. 
the league is gaining respect and producing more and more talent. So, it, you know, it's it's only positive right now. Yeah, and it's a, it's a good thing. I mean, as fans, I mean, we're all happy to see that. I mean, as much as... Obviously, sporting Kansas City fans don't want to see their players leave. You know, they still have to look at it as, you know, the outside look in and, hey, that's awesome that our team can develop these players that, you know, obviously European clubs are paying attention to. All right, Ivis. So, as we said, let's break down the U.S. men's national team roster position by position. Goalkeeper, obvious choice, Tim Howard. We don't need to talk about that. Let's start off with the right back position, though. Timmy Chandler, is he set to start at right back for this team? Uh, I think that's a fair, fair uh, you know, uh, Mike Rutgers is someone who, who's been given chances. He, he can play right back, but at the same time, he's just made a transfer to Augsburg in, in the Bundesliga and has yet to actually play a game. So he hasn't, uh, you know, he has, hasn't gotten those minutes. Uh, Tim Chandler's playing for Nuremberg. He's he's playing regularly, so, he, you know, he's fit, and he, fl- he slots right in. You know, he, he although he has not played in qualifying like Parkhurst, He's still, as far as just quality goes and, and being game fit, you, you have to like his chances. And especially when you think about his speed and athleticism, uh, it's perfect to kind of counteract Honduras and, and the speed that they have on the wings. You, you know, Parkhurst, he's a quality player. He reads the game well. But, you know, you, you kind of wonder, is he a little susceptible to, to speedy wingers? And I think that's somewhere where Chandler excels, and I think that's why he gets the edge right now. Okay, then you go over to the left-back position, though. You could have, uh, I mean, I, I know who you're going to pick, though, but between Fabian Johnson and Edgar Castillo, who's going to get the start there and why? Oh, it's no question. It's going to be it's going to be Fabian Johnson. He is, uh, you know, he's arguably, you know, one of the best, if not the best left back we, we've seen in the U.S. uniform in a long time. And, and he's he just not only for his defensive ability, but it's also his ability to get forward and provide service and, and attack uh, from the back. That, that that could play a big role here uh, when they face Honduras and Honduras, which is going to they're going to want to attack on the flanks. And if if Boniette Garcia, the, the dynamo star, is on that side of the field, you're going to want Johnson, uh, Fabian Johnson uh, matching up with him. Um, and all credit to Edgar Castillo. He's doing well at Club Tijuana. But I think there's still some question marks about the defensive side of his game and, and how, how, how good he is defensively. So I like him as a backup. But for now, uh, Johnson is the clear-cut starter. And when you look at the center back position, should Carlos Bocanegra be worried that he might not start in this game? I, I don't think he has a thing to worry about. I think it's safe to say he's going to start. Um, you, he just when you think about experience, you, you want to have experience at the center back position. And right now, he really is the only player who has that, who brings that. You know, Jeff Cameron, is, you can argue, is, is the most talented player right now at the position. But he's only played. Uh, I think he only has nine starts uh, for the national team at center back, and he's not starting at center back for Stoke City. So there's still some rawness there at the position. So when you have a player like Bocanegra who can keep keep the positioning right, kind of keep. Uh, keep someone like Jeff Cameron uh, in the in the right situations. I, I think you have to include him. You can't take a chance in, in a road qualifier, especially, and bring in uh, a player like Matt Beesler or Omar Gonzalez, who you know they're doing well. But I think they still have a ways to go before the, before you can expose them to this kind of situation. Well, one player who uh, you know typically is a midfielder but has shown his ability to play center back is Maurice Adu. Is there a possibility that he may play there? Well, it's it's interesting, interesting that you say that because I mean, everyone, anyone who remembers the the Mexico, the win in Azteca, it, it, obviously it was just a friendly, but uh, Aiden matched up with Jeff Cameron at center back, and they, I thought they did a pretty good job there. So uh, you have to wonder if Klinsman, if, if push comes to shove, if something happens to Bocanegra, if he gets hurt early in the game like he did against Russia, if something like that happens, um, or if he gets hurt today somehow. Um, you have to wonder, will he go with Marisa Du's experience uh, over 
a player like Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beasler. So, Ivis, I, w- I want to make sure here that you're starting that you have right now. You have Timmy Chandler, right back, Carlos Bocanegra, Jeff Cameron, center backs, and Fabian Johnson, left back. If you're Jurgen, what is Jurgen saying to these guys going into this? Because when you look at it, Carlos Bocanegra is the only guy who has a significant number of caps. Every player has less than 16 caps for this team. Very young group. What is Jurgen going to tell them going into the game from a tactic perspective and just from a, hey, keep keep it sound? I mean, what is he going to say? Well, I think they're going to really rely heavily, not only on Bocanegra, but also Tim Howard. You know, Tim Howard, it's going to be key for him to keep things organized, to communicate. Uh, he's never been one that he's never one to shy away from letting people know where they need to be. Um, so he, he, you know, he'll be, I'm sure he'll, he'll be screaming at those guys to keep them in the right, in the right spots. And, and having talked to Tim yesterday about it, uh, it, he sounds pretty confident about what, you know, uh, Fabian Johnson and Tim Chandler can do and, and, and be putting themselves in the right spots. So I think the back line, I know a lot of U.S. fans are concerned about it. A lot of people are writing Carlos Bugenegger off already thinking that, you know, he's washed up, he's lost a step, he's too slow. But, you know, I, I, st- I still think he has quite a bit left in the tank. And, and having talked to him, uh, I think the, the recent winter break in Spain is going to help him. I think it's helped uh, um, helped him recharge the batteries uh, in a way. So I think he's going to come in here fresh. And, and I think the back line, I, I see them having a pretty good game on Wednesday. All right, Davis, let's move up to the midfield now. Um, what, what are you expecting out of the midfield? How, how many midfield players are going to start, do you think, in this roster? Well, that's a question. You know, is it going to be a four three three or is it going to be a four four two? Uh, I'd say you can count on uh, the three of uh, my. I think Michael Bradley's a safe bet. I mean, he's obviously a lock. Uh, Jermaine Jones, I think, at this point is a lock based on, on listening to Jurgen Klinsmann's comments. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think we could actually see Marisa do in a starting lineup because uh, when you think about Danny Williams, who most people would have penciled in, he's been struggling for minutes uh, with Hoffenheim uh, this this season. So Marisa do, on the other hand, has had a great transfer move to Bursa Sport in Turkey. He's gotten a ton of minutes in just in the past few weeks. So if you talk about match fitness and also experience in this kind of environment, uh, Marisa Du has the edge in both those categories. You so know, I can, it's, I can, it's unfortunate that the, the U.S. men's national team can uh, somehow emphasize a defensive holding mids because right there you already announced Bradley, Adu, and Jones playing holding mids. Okay, well, then, Ivis, that brings up the question then. I mean, are you going to drop Clem Dempsey down to maybe an attacking mid position? Are you going to bring in Graham Zuzzi? I mean, is Sasha going to be that attacking position? Who's going to be dropping down? I mean, are, there, are they only going to have three midfielders? I mean, are there, what, what do you expect them to do here with that extra midfield position? Is it going to be a hybrid position, or is someone going to be labeled as the attacking mid? I think if I had to guess, I'd, I'd say Clint. I can see Clint Dempsey slotting into that role. Uh, because I think, I mean, I think Hercules Gomez you have to have in this game uh, just for the work he puts in at the forward position, not only if, not only as far as making runs in the attack, but also pressuring defensively. You know, I think he does such a great job. There's a reason he plays every time he's available and he starts every time he's available. Uh, he just brings that to the table. And I think Josie Altador, say what you want about whatever issues he's had in the past with Jurgen Klinsmann last year, but I think when you consider the form he's in, you have to start him. And and it, those who those who actually have some pretty good memories in the last hex in in uh, 2009, he actually did pretty well in some of these same situations. I mean, in, he, down in El Salvador, he scored a big goal uh, to to help the U.S. get a get a tie down in San Salvador. He's been he's been through this experience, so like that's what, so I see those two starting up top, and I see I can see Clint Dempsey either st- are starting underneath them, 
or having those three start as three forwards in a four three three. Well, what about a player like Eddie Johnson? I, I believe he averages almost a goal in world in goal for every ninety minutes of World Cup qualifying. I mean, is that something that Jurgen will even consider a guy like him who's who's shown that he can deliver in the hex, or is that one of those that was another time, another era, and he's a different player than he was then? Well, I mean, in fairness, when you talk about his his goal totals, I mean, he, he obviously Johnson was great in the last round. You know, he scored the big goals against Antigua. Uh, but at the same time, when you go back to some of those goal totals from the past, I mean, I think he racked up some some stats there. Uh, I can remember a hat trick against Panama that that you know, that, let's face it, it, it wasn't the strongest competition at the time. Uh, you have to also look at match fitness at at the present time. You know, he's not in season. The other players we mentioned are in season. And right now, I mean, if you look at all you have to do is think about who's been playing really well on the club level in the past few weeks. It's Josie Altador, Clint Dempsey, and Hercules Gomez. Hercules Gomez has managed to, to really keep earning those minutes at Santos Laguna, even with coaching changes there. He, he still, no matter who's in there, he still finds a way to impress the coach and get on the field for a really good team in Mexico. So for me, I think you have to have those three guys on the field. And I think the fact that Eddie Johnson's not in season right now, even with the January camp, he's not in season. So I just don't see him starting. And that's it's another reason why, I, I, you know, while some others think Graham Zuzzi's going to start, I'm not sure you start him here, not only for the fitness aspect, but also because he doesn't have that experience uh, on the road in qualifying in these kind of environments. What about Sasha or Jose Torres? I mean, are, are those guys going to see the field at all? I mean, Sasha, it, it, personally for me, I think he needs to be on this team. I think he needs to be playing. I think he's an outstanding player. I think he's very undervalued and very underrated. Will he actually see some time on the field this, for this game? I think I think of those two, I'd say I'd, I'd be more inclined to see Sasha Kleshin coming off the bench as an option. You know, if you have some fatigue issues, if someone like you know Danny Williams or Jermaine Jones uh, needs to come out of the game, or if you want to change things up tactically and and switch to a more traditional four four two, like you know, if the U.S. happens to have a lead. In the second half, I, I can definitely see a swap of a Josie for a Sasha, and and play a more a more simple four four two. Jose Torres, you know, the fact that he's in the camp, it's, it's encouraging for him, and he's playing really well for for a good Tigres team in Mexico. But at the same time, I'm not, sh- I just, I'm not sure this is the game for him to come into. You know, I, I think I, I think he's still going to be a factor this year, but I just don't see him in this game coming in and, and playing a role. Okay, I was. I want to be devil's advocate right here. So, so the midfield. I want to make sure you have this. You have Bradley, Adu, Jones, and Dempsey as your mid, and then your forwards right. are here. Uh, excuse me, not uh, Hercules Gomez and Josie Altador. When 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 Jurgen looks at this roster right here, okay, you have excellent goalkeeping, very inexperienced defense. You have three holding mids who are who. I mean, Bradley's shown before that he can attack. Jermaine Jones, I think it's a little ridiculous when he goes on those runs, I and mean, he could do it, but he I mean, he seems to tire himself out way too fast when he goes on those runs. And Marisa do I, I don't think can contribute that much on the attack. I mean, is Jurgen trying to make this team into something that it's not? I mean, when you look at it, I mean, this team seems still like it's built with the Bob Bradley mentality, where play lockdown defense, go on the counterattack. Yet Jurgen wants to emphasize. Chris passing more of an attacking thing. I mean, is Jurgen kind of overstepping with this team and the capabilities that it has? I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't say that at all. I mean, I think uh, you can't, if you've watched this team play, if you watch Michael Bradley play, Michael Bradley is not a quote unquote holding mid. He's not. He's a, he's a box to box midfielder. He contributes to the attack. He gets forward. He, he sets goals up. He creates chances. He finishes goals. You know, he's not. I mean, he's not a playmaker, but he's not a holding mid. He's not someone that's sitting in front of the defense. I think if you look at who could get, who could sit in that role, it's going to be either be Danny Williams or Marisa. Du. 
one of those two is going to have to sit back and anchor the defense. And then I think the other two, Jermaine Jones and Michael Bradley, are going to have that that room to operate. They're going to have that box to box role to play. And and I, I think you know I agree with you that sometimes Jermaine Jones can get a little lost and get a little overzealous with his runs. But at the same time, I think in a game like this uh, against the Honduras team that's going to really try to attack on the wings, uh, I, I think he can. I think he can handle the role of locking down the middle. Uh, very well, and and you know, I know some people, a lot of people who, who want to talk about attacking soccer and and let's play, you know, you know, four three three with with no hold, no hold, no defensive midfielders and all, you know, let's get all the the flashy guys in. That's not how you're going to get it done on, on the road and qualifying. You know, you really defense is a, has to be a priority in this game uh, against the Honduras team that's very dangerous. So uh, you know, I don't, I, people that want to say it's conservative or may, or he should have a little more attacking flair. I think that lineup can get you chances and can also stop the team, stop Honduras from getting chances. You know, and what is Ivis really telling this team? You know, tactically, you know, like like you said, I mean, you broke it down pretty well. But before the game, I mean, is he going to be telling this team anything that they need to look out for or they need to emphasize on? You know, is that is that the defense needs to listen to Howard and listen to Bocanegra, or is that the the some of the midfielders are actually going to have to stay back? I mean, could could that hurt this team? If some players attack too much, I mean, do you do you see any issues right now? If the midfielders play a little too up, I mean, could this potentially spell doom for this defense who might be a little inexperienced? Well, I mean, it's clear that this this defense that doesn't have the experience in qualifying. So I really doubt highly that they're going to go out guns blazing and attack. What you do in this situation is you sit back. You let the home team burn the energy that they're clearly going to burn in the first 15, 20 minutes. They're going to come after you. You have to weather that storm, and then you look to catch them on the counter. I mean, that's pretty much the script. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's happening year after year in qualifying. This is what you're going to see. And the question is, will they be able to withstand that early pressure, keep Honduras from creating really dangerous chances, and keep them off the board? If the U.S. can handle that pressure early on, get through that first 15, 20, 25 minutes, and, and then let the game settle in, and the soccer starts to happen. If they can keep the keep the zero on the scoreboard, then you have to like their chances. But if they give up that early goal, you get the crowd into it here in San Pedro. I, I think th- that's when the real pressure can start to build, and that's when these in- inexperienced guys can start to feel the heat of, of World Cup qualifying. I guess when you when you look at Landon Donovan, obviously he's he's having his sabbatical. I guess is the best way you could say it. You know, do do you think he's going to come back and, and help out this team and, at at any time during qualifying? You know, I, I, as far as Landon goes, I think he. I don't. I haven't given. I. I don't think we've seen the last of him, and and, and I don't think anyone th- thinks that. But right now, the the, the team isn't. It's funny. I wrote a story about that this, uh, today earlier today. Um, the the team doesn't miss him right now. The team isn't incomplete. You know, sometimes when a, a star player is gone, you, it's so it, it's just like uh, the team just feels incomplete. And I don't think this team feels that way. And I think the part of the reason for that is because hey, Landon has missed so many games. Yeah, uh, my, by my record, he's missed 13 of the of the team's last 19 games. So you know the U.S. has gotten used to not having him around. So I, I think it's a little easier for them to deal with. At the same time, it is a little strange to be at a game like this, a big game, a big World Cup qualifying uh, qualifier in the hex, and have him not be here. This is actually going to be the first game, uh, first meaningful hex qualifier in 20 games that he's not here with the team that he's not playing in the game for the united states so so th- there's something to be said for that but at the same time the u.s has had enough time now to to get used to playing without him and and i think some players have stepped up i was, uh it's pretty crazy though when you look at the roster from the last time they played though that was you know the october 10 2009 
I mean, look, look at this roster right here. Tim Howard, Jonathan Spector, Carl Spokenegra, Michael Bradley, uh, Nyewu, Stuart Holden, Connor Casey, Charlie Davies, Landon, Don- Landon Donovan, Jonathan Bornstein, and Ricardo Clark. I mean, talk about some names. I mean, some of these guys still playing with the team, but it's amazing what's changed in in three, you know, a little over three years. Well, it's interesting when you look at that that particular lineup. When you think about Charlie Davies, Gucci Onyewu, and Stuart Holden, three players who obviously have endured endured their share of, of heartbreak and injuries and, and adversity. Um, that 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 was the last time that that cycles team was really at full strength because you know that after that game is when uh-huh. Charlie Davies had the accident, and the next game was when Gucci Onyewu blew out his knee and and pretty much has never quite been a, the same dominant player that he was before that knee injury. So, you know, that, that it, there's been so much turnover since then that it's almost crazy to think that that's actually only been about three years and three months ago. But it almost feels like it's been, you know, 10 years ago just because those guys have been out of the mix for so long. But when getting back to Donovan, this team has gotten used to playing without Landon Donovan. So it, it's not as glaring an absence as maybe it would have been if he had been a part of the team throughout 2011 and 2012. He's actually missed thir- 13 of the team's last 19 games. So, you know, talking to Michael Bradley about it, he, you know, they, they said it, hey, they, they'd love to have him if, if he was, if his head's in, when his head's in the game and, and his heart's in the game, he still can be a difference maker. But right now that's not the case. So they, they're, they're moving on without him. And, if, and, and obviously if he, you know, decides he wants to come back they'll welcome welcome him with open arms but right now they still have a team that's good enough to get the job done uh in world cup qualifying you know and the one thing with world cup qualifying you know especially with the u.s i mean there always seems to be some guy that that comes out of nowhere that 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 saves the u.s in one game i mean are there any guys on this roster that you can think of or maybe who aren't on this roster that could eventually be on the roster that that you look at and say man this guy could be poised to maybe break out and or maybe this guy could be the guy that could really carry this team for a game or two well there's so many guys there's so many candidates for that and and the thing is, with this year being such a, a busy year, such a big year with the Gold Cup and, and the qualifying, there's going to be so many opportunities for players to have games and step up and, and, and state their case to be on the depth chart. Uh, there's quite a few guys like that. I mean, for me, someone like Terrence Boyd comes to mind, someone like Joe Corona, uh, Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beesler. Uh, all those guys, I think this year is really important for them to to really state their case to move up higher on the depth chart. And you know, I like all those guys' chances to really make their mark this year. Well, Ivis, as we wrap up the show here today, uh, everyone, you can go on uh, soccerbyivis.net. Obviously, Ivis has his roster up there. Please go on there, submit your own roster, or comment on Ivis's roster and let him know if he's uh, if he's a little crazy or if he's uh, not thinking correctly with his roster. But uh, you know, Ivis. You know, as we wrap up the show here, I mean, any final comments that you have to say about this team? I mean, is there anything that, that we, we have yet to touch on that that you think it, I mean, is going to be important, especially going into this game tomorrow? Well, I'd say one thing: anyone that thinks this is going to be an easy game is crazy, because this Honduras team is, for me, a better Honduras team than the one they faced four years ago. It's a, the more dynamic team. It, it, it's a it's a young team with more attacking quality, and obviously the MLS influence is there and heavy. When you talk about guys like like Bonia Garcia, Bankston, uh, Roger Espinosa, an MLS alum, uh, Mario Martinez, and Victor Bernardes, I mean, all those guys who, who do so well in MLS, they're going to present a serious challenge to to this this U.S. team. But at the same time, I just think that when you look at the difference makers on this U.S. team that are in such good form, guys like Dempsey, Josie Altador, Hercules Gomez, Tim Howard. Howard, Michael Bradley, obviously, all those guys are playing at such a high level right now that this U.S. team is coming in on a really good, on, in a really good note. And 
obviously there were there were the issues in, in the last round of qualifying as far as finishing chances, creating chances, putting away teams that maybe they should have put away a, a lot easier. But I think they all realize that that things kick up a notch when you get to the hacks, and 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 the you know the light as Michael Bradley said, the lights get brighter, the games get more intense, the margin for error gets smaller, and I think all those all these guys realize that, and, and that's why I think I you know you have to like their chances to to match up against this Honduras team and and get the, at least the point that they need. I know a lot of people want them to win, and obviously that three points would be great. But if the U.S. can get out of the U.S. can get out of San Pedro with a point, that's a very solid start to qualifying. If they can get get out of here with three points, then then they'll have to get on that plane on Wednesday night ecstatic at their at their chances to qualify. Well, three out of four games are on the road. I mean, this is extraordinarily important that the U.S. at least gets a point in this game. You do not want to start on the outside looking at down a point and then having to play Costa Rica in March 22nd and then having to go down to Mexico on the 26th. I mean, you want to go into that Mexico game feeling pretty good about yourself rather than in crisis panic mode. Right, no question. Because if you lose this game, that Costa Rica game absolutely becomes a must-win game. Yep. Because you can't go into Mexico with one point from two matches. And Costa Rica is not a pushover. Costa Rica just won the Central American Championship, beating Honduras. And obviously Honduras wasn't full strength. They didn't have their European base players. But this Costa Rica team is dangerous, and and, and they will present some problems, even if it is on American soil. So if you're the U.S., you need to get a point here. And, And ideally, obviously, you'd like to get all three. Yeah, it's very important for that team. Well, Ivis, enjoy the game tomorrow. Uh, Enjoy your wake-up call at 2 o'clock this morning. (laughs) <laughs> Two o'clock this morning. I don't. I don't think any. I don't think that we, the, this is going to be one of those countries where the where the where the fans are, are outside banging. Uh, you don't think so? The, no, I think there's certain other countries that are like that. I think Panama is known to be one. I, I think Mexico City, uh, in, in past trips there, I've seen I've seen that happen to some degree. But I think here it's going to be it'd be pretty mellow. But I tell you what, on game day. The fans. The, the one of the craziest things about about down here in San Pedro is they open the stadium at like seven in the morning. And they let the fans come in, and the stadium will be full two to three hours before the start of the game. And I'm not exaggerating. It'll be open. It'll be full probably two to three hours before the game. It's going to be a big party. And, no, they don't run out of energy. They'll still have energy at kickoff, and they're going to make this place a very imposing place to play. Yeah, and especially for that young defense. I mean, it's going to be important for guys like Howard to uh, to control them and Bocanegra to guide these guys. Uh, you know, I mean, Jeff Cameron maybe might be the only guy that might not be rattled by it, but, you know, the other guys, it's going to be important for the veterans to uh, to guide these young guys and, 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 you know, obviously calm their nerves and, and get them to calm down. Well, Ivis, enjoy the game tomorrow. Have a great time. Uh, we'll touch base when you get back, and uh, have a safe trip and be safe, okay? All right, thanks, Clark. All right, that wraps it up for the SBI Podcast today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back again this week. You are listening to the SBI Podcast. Thank you for listening. And how the saying go, things change. Skinny you, but the flow is the size of ring rings. Pennies for my thoughts add up. I hope you bring change. I know these haters ain't want me to see my wings raised. Flowing shoes, polish it. Rappers, I demolish it. I done lost my mind in need of a psychologist. They could care less back when I was still in colleges. And now the boy be in London, Theophilus. It's tough trying to end up on the pay route. The flow is medium rare, and I bring the steak out. This is my medium here, see how it plays out. They all bugging me, I gotta pull a raid out Using it sparingly forever, will they cherish me before I black out? Introduce my moment of clarity I'm not the same, say I changed, but I can't leave the game Now I'm right back to